Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. How are you today? I am good, thank you. And it's so interesting that all of a sudden we're talking a lot about LNG again, isn't it? Yeah, the LNG dream is back. So you go back a dozen years, uh, Premier Christy Clark began touting the enormous promise of liquefying natural gas for export here in British Columbia. And if you remember, there was going to be zillions of dollars from it and plants all over the province. I don't know, two dozen talked about. Uh, And it was good enough for Clark to paint debt-free BC on the side of her campaign bus and to help let it help her win an election. Uh, The dream has faded somewhat since then. Uh, We still don't actually have an up-and-running LNG project, although one is being built. But all of a sudden, this year, after years of mockery and discounting, we suddenly have the LNG thing is back, and it's big. Uh, 9 o'clock, sorry, 10 o'clock this morning, Wood Fiber LNG uh, project is going to announce how they're going to get to net zero. So we're getting a tech briefing at 9 o'clock. Last week, uh, the environmental process here in the province approved for hearing for review. So they didn't approve the project. They let the project into the process. Niska LNG, uh, the week before, the government did approve Cedar LNG, And active in front of the government is a big proposal from LNG Canada, the ones that are building the project in Kitimat, uh, to build the second phase of their project, which was double output. So LNG, very active. And Premier David Eby, enthusiastic about it, I would say, given the the scorn New Democrats have heaped on LNG in the past, I would say the government now sees it as very promising to bring investment dollars and, of course, revenues to the provincial economy. Isn't it interesting? I mean, is it possible that all these companies were just waiting for this framework, and now that the government has said, okay, here are the rules... Everybody's ready to play. You're, you're, re- you're right, Simi. These have been working away in the background, not getting an awful lot of attention. Uh, the Nishka and the Heisler, who are behind the Cedar LNG project, have been cultivating their private sector partners, uh, getting their projects in order. LNG Canada well along in construction of its uh, first phase terminal and planning the second. So, yes, it's all been going on in the background They've been waiting for signals from the, the new premier about what his new rules are going to be, and he has now thrown down the challenge. New projects in B.C. can go into review if, and it's a huge if, they have a plan to get to net zero on emissions by 2030. So this is huge because, well, the... We don't know what wood fiber is going to say this morning, but the other projects to get to net zero in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, the only way we know from the other projects, Simi, is electricity. 
the way you make natural gas uh, into LNG in a traditional plant, the old ones that are around the world, you burn natural gas to generate the power to do it, right. to squeeze it and freeze it. Electricity, if it is coming, as it does in B.C., from mostly hydroelectric power, so it doesn't have a lot of emissions associated with it, is the way to go. And all the projects we just talked about, and I'm guessing wood fiber as well, although we'll wait and see what they say this morning, need electricity from B.C. Hydro. They need to plug into the hydro grid and get some of that clean, green hydroelectricity. Okay, things really seem to be, the tempo of things seem to be yeah. changing here, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the idea, the concept is great. NISCA, they've got a plan to build a power line, plug into the hydro substation at New Ianch. Uh, Cedar LNG, which is in Kitimat, they have a plan. They're going to build a power line, plug into the hydro grid. Um, we haven't heard from LNG Canada. Well, they discussed plugging into the hydro grid. They expressed doubt that the electricity would be there. But all of these projects say, you know, if we can get electricity, we can go clean. Of course, that's how we're going to electrify all of our vehicles in BC, too. There's a lot of mines in British Columbia that want to plug in and get electricity so they don't have to burn diesel. Uh, the truck fleets in the province need the electricity. And Premier David Eby was in Washington State last week, and he told the Americans, hey, you know, if you want to go green, we got electricity. You can come and buy some from us. So <laughs> you put really? all that together, Simi, and it won't surprise the listener that the expectations vastly exceed, near as anyone can tell, vastly exceed the amount of electricity that will yeah. be available in BC, even with a big Site C project that's going to come online in two years. Right. And so think about how long that took, right? So how long does it takes to build even more power lines and generate capacity? I mean, that's, that's a huge hurdle. Now that is a huge hurdle. And the premier himself admitted as much last week because he went in the process of approving this Cedar LNG project, the Heislaback one in Kitimat. He said, you know, he acknowledged it. He said, it takes too long to get projects approved in British Columbia. It takes too long to get new generating capacity approved in British Columbia. It takes too long to build new power lines, and we need both to make these things work. He said he hears this from potential investors all the time. It takes eight to nine years at the best of times to get new power lines, new generating capacity approved in British Columbia, and that's too long, said the Premier. He made it quite clear, a B.C. government, if it wants to get anywhere on this, it is going to have to lean on B.C. Hydro and on the environmental approval process and on the B.C. Utilities Commission, which is the independent regulator for these projects, and expedite approvals. They just The Premier himself has admitted it. So there is the big challenge. How do we get enough electricity into the system and available? Because, and the Premier also said this, Simi, international investors back these projects, and some of them need billions of dollars in backing. They are not going to commit take the NISCA, for example, to $10 billion expenditure for an LNG terminal if they don't know for sure that the electricity is going to be there to run the place. Okay, so that's obviously the big challenge. Why, why do you think there is this um, ramp up in interest in doing this now from the government? Um, I think there's an awareness that 
uh, LNG is going to be critically important as a transition fuel to the future. So natural gas is less emission heavy, some debate about this. It's not as bad as coal. It's not as bad as diesel. Um, it's not as controversial as nuclear power. And it can produce huge amounts of capacity that gets moved around the world in LNG tankers. And the feeling about that, Simi, has exa been exacerbated by the war in the Ukraine. The Europeans were heavily dependent on Russian natural gas. They now see the downside of that dependence. So there's lots of interest out there in buying up LNG if you can find the stuff. And again, go back a dozen years at the same time as Christy Clark was talking about LNG in British Columbia, Governor of Louisiana said, you know what, here in Louisiana, we're going to build LNG terminals and we're going to export LNG to the world. Well, the Americans have done it. There are LNG terminals all around the Gulf of Mexico in Texas and in Louisiana, and they're eating our lunch. They're delivering LNG to customers in Asia, to customers in Europe, because the Americans are much better than Canadians are at approving these projects and getting them built. So there is the demand out there. There is interest. It's all legitimate and aware. And the sweetener BC has thrown into the mix, Simi, is it's going to be clean LNG. It isn't going to be made by burning natural gas. It's going to be made by clean, green electricity. All we need to do is come up with the electricity, whether it's wind or solar, geothermal, um, run of the river, um, well, nuclear power. I don't think we're going to do that. Uh, but the options are there. It's just getting it all done and getting it all done on the timeline that the premier's now announced, which is to get it in place so we can deliver the product by 2030. Right, because Canada does have the advantage of that you know, lower Canadian dollar, too. Yeah, we've got the dollar. Uh, we're closer to Asia. That was one of the arguments made for putting these terminals, uh, the one in Niskaland, which would be closer. Yeah. Uh, the one in Kitimat is closer to Asia. The Americans in Louisiana, they want to sell natural gas. They've got to put it in tankers, take it through the Panama Canal, and then across the Pacific. Uh, most of the estimates, Simi, for here in British Columbia are we're at least two days closer uh, to delivery if we could just get the stuff made and then into tankers. Ah, yes, that's the big if. All right, thank you for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simi.